Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week. From the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing Kate Middleton and Prince William's major week of all kinds of appearances in which we learned what their TV watching habits are. We also are going to discuss a kind of strange Tom Hardy tale. It's phenomenal. Also, it's an amazing it really Tom Hardy know, stra- tale. Strange might not have been the right adjective there. Uh, also, Amber Heard went zip lining, but there's more to that than just that description makes it sound. Let's talk about Kate and William first. They were up to all sorts of stuff last week. And I know a lot of you reached out to kind of like let us know what they were up to. It was all sort of leading up to the London Marathon because they're part of this group called Heads Together that's working on mental health advocacy. And they had this whole group of runners that was going to be kind of participating in the marathon. So in advance of that, they had this kind of all out press onslaught. I've never seen anything like it. Each day there was like a video of them talking and you don't usually hear Kate Middleton speak. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I know we wanted to discuss, because I feel that it gave this whole kind of new level of access to them. Prince Harry did a podcast, but criminally, it was not ours. <laughs> I know. I was really disappointed when I saw that he was doing a podcast, because I, I mean, I was happy and excited to listen to it. But also, you know, it was it should have been ours. Like Harry, next time Harry needs to, we'll, we'll, we'll ask him questions. I'm sure he doesn't want to answer, <laughs> but I think he should still come on to our show. But yeah, no, Prince Harry did a podcast. We had also Lady Gaga and Prince William. So there was kind of each day they did a different sort of unusual form of media that the royals were featured in. So first it was Prince Harry and he talked about how he like went to therapy after Princess Diana died and was very open in a way that royals are never open. And I saw this commentator on CNN who was like, you would have thought that the royals had like stripped naked and run through <laughs> Buckingham Palace the way she was talking about the fact that they were just being open about that they had like, gone to a therapist. Right. Um, that was not much of a revelation. I should hope that he went to therapy after, after that. his mother died in this extremely public way. Right. And then did you watch this Lady Gaga Prince William video? Because I just felt like it was so strange, but it was it was kind of fun, but so strange. I hit play and I started watching the first five seconds, but it was so uncomfortable for me because Prince William is phenomenal, but acting is not the Royals forte, I would say. I love the way you're, I love the way you're approaching this analysis. (laughs) Very tactful. Well, if Harry's listening, considering an appearance. If Harry's getting a stack of podcasts to kind of try to figure out what the next one he's going to be on, we want to be careful. I had to shut that window down so fast because I was. So, it makes me very uncomfortable to see what is obviously a forced PR opportunity, and they were trying to engage in what was supposed to be like an organic conversation. Yeah, but, and also like Gaga was in this kitchen area that was sort of sparse. Like there was nothing in the kitchen. That is she- what bothered you. <laughs> <laughs> the realism of the kitchen was my my issue with the PSA. Also, I felt like Gaga. I'm fixating on weird things. I know, as usual. What? But Wait, no, I want to hear the sparseness. Like, why did that bother you? <laughs> no, it just you? was weird. I'm like, where are they filming this? Like, that wasn't. I assume that wasn't her actual house. It was just like some set they found. 
around? Was it like a, you know, Ina Garden's kitchen and they popped in during a break? It really then, blows my mind is that is what tripped you up. But, <laughs> like, but in addition to the kitchen issue, it was like a beautiful kitchen. Don't get me wrong. It was like Nancy Meyer style. But it was very, she was playing, I felt this whole sort of, because I feel like Gaga gets so into what she's doing, you know, right. she's speaking about very kind of serious and personal issues so she obviously felt it all very deeply but she was speaking in this almost accent i felt it was a little bit reminiscent to me of how madonna gets in that british accent sometimes you know it just verged into the realm of oh she's playing uh like pseudo duchess gaga kind of thing you know okay now i get your i get the kitchen issue it's yeah, not like the, she <laughs> and meryl streep's it's complicated character have the same taste in interior design okay. right but that all said, it was, it was very, that all says like the subtitle for this podcast, basically, <laughs> after we like tear into something. But I feel right, like our upcoming memoir, that all <laughs> I feel as though it was actually all that being said, natural somewhat. A terrible pull quote, natural somewhat. That would be your notes that you give to Prince Harry. But, but I, well, I guess in his defense, if Lady Gaga skyped to you from a stage, obviously a set kitchen. I couldn't tell if it was scripted, and I feel like that's what makes it a good video. I feel like there were bullet points. Bullet points, the, bullet and, points. And they were like, okay, just get there, like make it work. And It's kind of like a We Do This podcast. <laughs> in case anyone thought this wasn't all scripted, I'm pulling the wool out from everyone or whatever that saying is. But basically, so they did their thing. And then the next day, there was a separate video, which if you haven't seen these videos, we'll link to them somewhere in the blog post we write. And this one, it's kind of this like cinema verite, <laughs> William, Kate, and oh, Harry. On the picnic table? Yeah, on this picnic table. And they're all kind of sitting on this picnic table. And it's like, you can't see any cameras. So they're filming far away, long lens almost. Um, everybody's in like full hair and makeup but they stage it as though oh this cameraman just wandered into a park and happened to find kate william and harry talking about mental health at a picnic table with like a, again total seclusion like where are the extras in the background <laughs> to lend the sense of realism here but they're just in this deserted empty glamorous beautiful enchanting park alone and Kate is wearing a very casual look, like a striped long sleeve tee. She loves those striped tees. And Harry's wearing that windbreaker almost. They're all very much playing their archetype, I felt, in terms of how they were dressed. And then I, I made you watch this one immediately, I feel, right? I think I wrote you like right. frantic G-chats. <laughs> because it just was so strange to hear, as you mentioned at the beginning, to hear Kate Middleton talk I used to say it's a bit because I cover Kate for the site. She's a funny person to cover because no one ever really has heard her voice or knows what she sounds like or have this insight into what she actually does because she's not making... It's like The Little Mermaid whenever yeah. The Little Mermaid talks. <laughs> At least she's not making TV shows or movies or pop singles to our distress. She kind of is this enigmatic figure. And in that way, it's kind of interesting. Just hearing her speak for six minutes to me was kind of, I don't know, it was spellbinding. <laughs> it was interesting to me that she really took charge of the conversation. Yes. She was definitely leading the conversation and uh, talking about how much mental health concerns them and how it's like the binding factor in all of their charity work. It reminded me of in college when you have a section and you have a group discussion and there's one person who kind of has the discussion questions who's leading it. Like Kate was definitely that person. She was the one doing the prompts and keeping it going. 
It was also interesting because they had, they would, must have had like three different cameras because then they have over the shoulder shots of of Kate just trying to have this very natural part conversation. I just want to meet the guy who, who masterminded this whole scenario. He was like, okay, it's going to take place at a park picnic table. In the the same way the Lady Gaga video was, I imagine it was conceived in the most, uh, kind of how can we maximize the relatability quotient here, you know? Like, but like <laughs> for Josh and I, we I think we would have loved to see them like on a couch, legs yeah, crossed, yeah. like in sweat. There was definitely something mannered about it. It just felt a little, you know, it's, it's just by the nature of that video, I can't even imagine filming a six minute video on a picnic table with Kate. By the end of the video, when they started getting into the stuff about William and Harry's relationship, I thought it was getting kind of real. See, I I didn't last that far because, again, it was too awkward and stiff for me. And I was thinking about, like, the production value, like the crew members, what the craft services look like, how long did the shoot take? What did I miss? I was thinking, too, like, whenever, you know, the 73 questions videos that Vogue does, I always think how many takes did it take to get the one they use? I was thinking that with this video, too. Like, how many times did Kate Middleton flub a line and, like, oh, God, like kind of this awkward still. She didn't want to, you know, had to apologize to the crew and then they had to redo it. Was it a single take? I don't even remember now. No, it wasn't. No, no, because they had the over the camera or over the shoulder shots. They had a lot going on there. Right. Who was the one who kept messing up and everybody got really annoyed with him? Yeah. Like, is there going to be a blooper reel from this video? Like, I would love to see that. Because you know Harry went rogue a few times. There's Do you no... think Meghan Markle was on set? Do you think she gave Harry any tips on appearing more relaxed? <laughs> Someone was saying to me they thought Kate seemed a little, you know, uncomfortable doing the video. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously she's not, you know, this isn't her forte, like what you were saying about William. And they were like, well, if Megan was taking charge here, you know, it's like, yeah, it's true. I mean, she's an actress. She would be natural doing that, right? I should hope. (laughs) I wonder if Megan tried to make a last minute plea to get into the video. I mean, she could have been i mean it does always seem a little like just the equilibrium of you know and harry sitting on one side and kate and on the other it's gonna be nice when megan's part of the fam to round that out of the three which did you think had the most on camera ease <laughs> who would i put up for the best supporting actor at the next yeah <laughs> i thought all of them turned in a good performance I felt like Harry at the end was getting real and I was into it when he was talking about how he didn't talk enough after Princess Diana's death and he kept everything inside. And William had his one joke about how he sometimes feuds with Harry. I love how you said joke, but with air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) The implicit air quotes of me commentating. Yeah, no, I think... I don't know. I think I'd give it to Wait, Harry. what was the joke? What was the joke? Kate said something like, well, you two are very close, which I'm sure has helped. And then he's like, most of the time. <laughs> it wasn't. Julie's bowled over in laughter right now at that. The bar, that the bar was so low. <laughs> the bar was so low, she actually did crack a smile, though. No, um, but it, it was incredible to hear the, these royals being so open about therapy and sharing their feelings. It's not a very waspy sentiments yeah i think i think william said in one of the interviews that they have this mentality of keeping the stiff upper lip and kind of not uh feeling like you can talk about what you're going through in these hard times and kate talking about her first year being a mother and how difficult that was and having not feeling like she could talk about it uh it's nice for people to see that kind of stuff i feel like especially we don't know what the uk culture is but i feel like it seems even more buttoned up than here in that regard yeah right and so after this they did the marathon 
or they they were on the sidelines oh, of the yeah, marathon. Yeah. Well, also, so, and, right, and then the day before or two days before, they William and Kate went on to guest host on this BBC radio show. They both introduced like a hit song, like Kate had to introduce a Harry Styles song, and William did a Ed Sheeran one, and they were that was not their <laughs> that was not their most comfortable I've ever seen them, <laughs> and. Then they did this short interview and they just told uh, the host that their dream night in is watching Homeland or Game of Thrones and with like curry takeout, which was, you know. I is guess that what you expected? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I know you were saying we want to see them on the couch, which I agree with. But don't you also feel a little let down when you hear something like that? I guess my letdown is that those were the TV shows they're super into. Like, I would have preferred hearing that they were into, like, British Bake Off, or I guess maybe that's too on brand. Or, yeah. And wasn't Kate a big Downton Abbey fan? I think or Big Little Lies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kate, I think, would have loved Big Little Lies. Or, yeah, exactly. Something with a little more edge to it. It'd be fun right. if it'd be fun if they were like, oh yeah, we're binging Master of None or something, right? Um, or like it would be funny if they were just saw uh, Cheers on Netflix, like they're getting into a '90s sitcom. I yeah, we're on like back episodes of The OC. Like he's been hearing about it, wanted to catch up and figure out what Seth and Summer were all about. But they must have been confronted with The Crown, which they just always think is interesting. I wonder why they didn't ask them that. Why the radio DJ? Yeah. Seems like a pretty natural question. Someone needs to ask them at some point. I mean, don't you feel like it's a little bit like just imagining them eating takeout, catching up on like season two of Homeland of all shows? And I'm very curious to see if they watch Ryan Murphy's second season of Feud, which is all about Prince Charles and Diana and yes. their divorce. Another great point. And that's also kind of, I feel like there's all of a sudden now, because The Crown is casting a Diana, right? And then the Ryan Murphy show is. And then I feel like there's going to be a suddenly like Diana's going to be, I mean, she's always everywhere pop culturally, but even more so soon. Well, I guess this is just another question to add to our scroll <laughs> of questions. We will ask Kate when the time comes to finally meet her. Yeah. Kate, maybe we want Kate instead of Harry as our podcast guest, actually. But I agree. yeah. Anyways, I think our takeaway of this week was what was our takeaway of the week? It was a lot of appearances, and I'm kind of. I mean, I guess it's sort of again. But right, uh, but I was maybe too critical. I don't want to discourage them from these appearances because they're so fun. <laughs> they're so fun to watch. They don't really put themselves out there that much. Yeah, we, more videos. We want to be in them. Basically, I think it all comes from like a seed of jealousy. Right. I, wa- I want to be the DP on their next picnic table video. <laughs> this is my plea. I'll be a PA. I'll get their <laughs> coffee. But then did you see the marathon? So they did the buzzer or whatever for to begin the marathon. This is how much I know about marathons. I love whenever we dip into sports and all the <laughs> jargon just gets completely butchered. <laughs> they jumped on the trampoline to start the marathon. <laughs> Then they watched from the sides or something? They watched from the sides and they were handing out water to runners. And I saw a Daily Mail headline that one of the runners tossed the water back at them. Did you see that? Yeah. So William got doused with water and I was trying to figure (laughs) out. And I saw the Daily Mail and TMZ both made the same kind of questioning, you know, if someone did it intentionally or not. But I mean, no one intentionally squirted water at William. Like, I don't think it was an act of aggression, was it? Can you imagine being mile 18, so massively dehydrated, you finally get your hands on a paper cup of water and rather than drink it, you have so much vitriol for the British monarchy or whatever, you toss it out at William. I can't. 
I can't either. Also, William's just not hateable in any way. It just doesn't seem like he's the type of person that would elicit that. So I guess it was just someone accidentally did that. And then did they make a comment or did they just keep running? I mean, I'd be mortified if I had done that. I don't know. I don't know. All we know is what the Daily Mail reported. Next time we'll be on the scene. Yeah, I agree. Right. And congratulations to Meghan Markle, just briefly, on her Us Weekly cover, which Josh was on a train to Boston, kind of sending me photos of paragraphs. He said he was learning a lot. Yeah, we did. We don't want to get too. I feel like we've been giving Meghan a lot of airtime, which is not necessarily ever a bad thing. But this is very relevant to what we were just talking about. In Us Weekly, it said, so Meghan's on the cover. And inside, they have all these details about what Meghan and Harry get up to. And it says, and this is a quote, <laughs> we, let's take it to the passage. For the duo, nights in often mean whipping up dinner. Markle handles most of the cooking, says the source, or watching TV on the couch with a bowl of popcorn and some candy. Says a source close to the couple. They love the Great British Bake Off and SAS Who Dares Wins. Okay, the bowl of popcorn and candy is very eyebrow-raising to me, just because it's such a specific detail. Who would know that, aside from... I mean, we've talked about this before. I always wonder with these things, like, who is this source who knows their two favorite shows and what they eat while watching TV? Pretty intimate. Is it their cleaner, you know, neighbor next door peering through with binoculars? Like, or is it, or is it like, Megan herself? What is going on here? I feel like I would switch the shows. I would imagine what you were saying, that Kate and William would watch Great British Bake Off and these two would watch Homeland or something. True. And Game of Thrones. It doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. Okay, but that's enough for Megan. We, we <laughs> hope she's well. Okay, Julie, tell us about... I'm trying... There's no easy... Wait, is Tom Hardy British? No, he's on... Um, yeah. Oh, he is, or, right? is, Yeah, he is British. From a Brit moonlighting as an actor to... Oh, God, I don't even know how to do this. We're, uh, I was trying to go with, like, he's an actor moonlighting as an action hero. But anyways, tell us what happened with Tom Hardy before I butcher this transition <laughs> even further. This is one of my favorite, favorite kind of celebrity stories, which is the celebrity acting like a real-life hero. So last night, the Daily Mail reported, with incredible photos, by the way, uh, that Tom Hardy had... And I didn't, it wasn't quite clear from the Daily Mail article, but I guess he witnessed someone stealing a motorbike. He managed to run, sprint, catch up with them, I guess, as they were crashing into a car. He apprehended them. And the best part of the story is that before the police arrived, he took their IDs and like took down all of their personal information. So I imagine it was like a citizen's arrest. I didn't even know that. Tom Hardy had them take their IDs out. Yeah, that was the best part of it. Wow. So they have this witness talking to the Daily Mail, and the witness, I guess, went up to Tom and asked him what happened. He said, I asked Tom what happened. He told me he chased him through my back garden and caught him around the block, but the route was like an assault course. And this witness, Erin Pullen, uh... (laughs) I hope she's getting an in-touch cover out of this or something. No, it's a guy. A guy. He said it, it was unlike anything he had ever seen before because it was like Tom Hardy immediately switched into action hero mode, started sprinting off. He made it seem like Tom Hardy scaled a wall to get to these guys. It was pretty incredible. This is wild. But also it's not, 
did he has he played i guess he's he must have played a cop or something at some point right i mean where does he know how to do all of this because i guess he just has been training so much for his various roles and such i mean he was a batman villain he was in he was mad yeah. max i like how you think it's so <laughs> ordinary that he's like jumping through an assault chorus and apprehending a criminal like, he, he does a lot of his own stunts works very closely with a stunt coordinator I love hearing about this in real life. This is this reminds me. It's kind of a throwback to remember when Ryan Gosling broke up that street fight. Oh and, yeah! And he not only broke up the street fight, he like resolved the issue. <laughs> he talked to both sides, both guys, and kind of yeah. And that's a similar quality to getting the IDs. It's like not only do they come in in these high stress situations and couldn't save the day, then they like know how to follow through and really like, you know do crisis resolution. It's actually kind of very impressive to me. I don't think most people could handle this kind of, I think probably from their lives in the limelight. I'm a little disappointed because you do not seem that <laughs> impressed by Tom Hardy's quick thinking action here. This is heroic. I, need, I guess I want more. You're skeptical. Um, I guess I am too cynical now at these points about things. I feel like, was this, are we sure this wasn't being filmed for a movie? <laughs> and, then, and then also, I wonder why he was just wandering around the street. Uh, the parent in me or something kicks in where I'm like, what if they like brandished a gun on him? I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a parent, but like, I, I just, feel like Tom would have been equipped to handle that situation. Not that he had a gun, but that he has the skill. He knows how to handle, take, subdue any situation. How do you think these criminals feel that not only did they get caught, but they got caught by Tom Hardy and now are like such in such a public manner shamed and vilified for what they did. I mean, if they had to get caught by anyone, <laughs> anyone, I think it's pretty good that they were caught by Tom Hardy. Yeah. And also, I like that it's like he did one and the policeman did the other. I feel like this policeman's going to have a story to tell. I don't know. He gave a lot of people stories, which I like. And I feel like he's going to talk about this on talk shows now. I feel like you're going to get to talk to him about this at some point. I hope so. I guess he screened once he finally got them. I caught the C, <laughs> C word. He was very excited about it. Oh my God. That's it, like the tagline for whenever this gets, this should be optioned into a movie almost. I feel like this should be like the actor who goes undercover, you know? Right. But the Daily Mail, it was like their first breaking. It was their main story and they were all over it. They had one of those overhead Google satellite maps. It was like a red line charting where he ran. They tried to make it seem like he ran a mile, but it really was like one block. But still. You're selling me, I have to admit, as we go on how uh, on the impressiveness of this. Because well, at first I was kind of like, eh, I mean, but now I feel it. Just to see someone, uh, I don't know. Also, my husband's car was recently stolen. So I wish Tom Hardy had been wow. around. Like, oh my gosh, I, this is like a, the personal <laughs> connection is coming through. This is all coming together. I still think even without that, you should be more impressed. If only the way this needs to have the resolution has to be Tom Hardy somehow shows up at your door in a week with Ryan's car. In Ryan's car, right. Like he's he's found it. He found the criminal who stole it. But I just love the idea that when he's not acting in these huge budget movies, they're like making taboo with his dad, Chip Hardy. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, doesn't who, he doesn't he have some dog thing? He like loves dogs. Oh, or he has loves one dogs. Loves, loves, loves. Wait, I have to pull up a Tom Hardy. Dog I don't think quote. I've ever, by the way, side note for the limelight listeners, have we ever heard Julie this gleeful about any topic? I'm learning new things. <laughs> I, I did. I wrote for Vanity Fair. You can look it up. An oral history of Tom Hardy's love of dogs. 
There we go. I remember this. We all ever we'll link to it, but check out search for Julie Miller, Tom Hardy, dogs, and that should take you there. I really I put together there's like an incredible lead photo that's just a montage of him with dogs. In two thousand seven he did an interview with dogs today. <laughs> He was he like has the, a, he has the uh, strangest non-celebrity life who, you know, when they're doing press and such. Okay, keep going. I'm going to pick one quote because I feel like I could really go down a rabbit hole. And this could end up being a, like a, a 90 dog minute. hole, if you will. Okay, yeah. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> so yeah, wait, what did he say to dog today? Is he on so the cover? I assume. He's on the cover. Tom Hardy does not like doing interviews. There are all these stories about how he stood up interviewers. I, he famously mm. like ditch junket last year um, had to apologize but I just find it charming that whenever dogs are the subject of conversation during these interviews he lights up much as I'm lighting up right now talking about Tom Hardy, <laughs> Tom Hardy. talking about dogs your, Tom Hardy's dogs are your Tom Hardy <laughs> Just to make that explicit. Okay, keep going. Okay, so in 2011, he talked about his beloved dog, Max, passing away. Max's favorite place in the house was on the couch. So Tom Hardy had the dog cremated and put the ashes on the couch. What? In, in an urn on the place on the couch where Max used to hang out. Wait, Julie, that's strange. Like, I don't we like had that. Him, quote, we had him cremated. There's a cardboard box of his ashes on our sofa that we're working out what to do with. I might put him in a pillow. That is a little weird. <laughs> she, does he sleep on his dead dog? What do you mean in a pillow? Oh, and <laughs> or like a decorative he, pillow? <laughs> I don't know what's worse or better there. Uh, oh. What? This is just so good. If you guys could see Julie's eyes right now, looking at what I can only imagine are like 18 photos of Tom Hardy posing with various dogs. In 2012, he really went deep talking about what dogs he feels sorry for. In an interview with GQ, he said, I feel sorry for a poodle because he's a dog. You know, a dog is a great creature. They would do anything for you. And the poodle gets a haircut. No one asks if the poodle wants his hair cut like that, do they? They just cut his hair like that. And he just walks around and everyone's like, why is that poodle so snarky? What? <laughs> this is not jive with like what I imagined Tom Hardy to be like. This obsession with canine friends. It's weird. Just give me a minute. <laughs> We can cut all of this out. <laughs> no, I'm loving it. I think keep it in. More the merrier. But oh, no. I okay. In 2014, I know it sounds silly, but sausage dogs bite more people than pit bulls do. He's talking about how pit bulls got a really bad rap and he is not. But of course, what else would he be talking about? <laughs> Labradors bite more people. There's always a dog that's getting the bad deal. Like, why is he the bastard? That's a bad dog. But in the right hands, the dog could be a very different dog. Do you know that the pit bull is the highest decorated military dog? It's true because of their loyalty and sensitivity. They would run through artillery fire and bring ammo. So that's him as a dog, basically. Like he would run through fire to apprehend a thief. Oh my gosh. Yes. He believes in serendipity. He had a dog titled named Mad Max before being cast as Mad Max. Anyway, I'm just saying there's a lot of information out there that if you want to go deep, you really can I love where this took us. So now let's turn from... Josh is like frightened. <laughs> I've never seen Julie get so <laughs> ignited by a topic. Okay. From Tom Hardy to 
I have you from stunts from stunts from 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 stunts from stunts right from one stuntman to another we right. move to our final topic <laughs> right Amber her, Amber I, think, her. I think that's the perfect amount of questioning yeah. it right and you will too when you hear the story that was better than what i was going to say which was have you heard because <laughs> that's terrible uh so amber heard uh, one of the big celeb stories this past weekend was amber heard confirming her relationship with elon musk the billionaire tech mogul inventor and tesla, so tesla, motor, tesla yeah. he wants to move us all to mars, to mars yeah and Amber Heard, as we all know, was married to Johnny Depp. And she can. What I'm most interested, though, in this story, and I hope you've seen the Daily Mail link to this, Julie. I, oh, um, I'm so sad. Like her claim to fame, <laughs> she's an actress, too. <laughs> yeah, right. She's an actress, too. And everyone sort of knew they were together. I forget how, like maybe they'd been seen out and such. They, they were pictured at leaving clubs together, but it was never really confirmed that they were an item. So she posted a photo on her Instagram of the two of them. And you see on his, the side of his face, the mark of red lipstick. And then the caption is cheeky. So that was her way of confirming it. And a different strategy, but it also reminded me of when we talked a few weeks ago about JLo and A-Rod confirming their relationship with that Instagram. It's like the way to go. But hers is way more formal. Like they're at an event, there's red wine in the foreground, He's looking off to the side. It's sort of like this elegant photo. And then corresponding with that, and I almost wonder if she posted this photo because she knew these other photos were going to be out, are these photos of them zip lining in Australia. <laughs> and they are wild. It's just a series of 80 photos of them all sort of on this zip line. And it's like Elon Musk, Amber Heard, these two kids. I guess Elon Musk has a bunch of kids. So it's two of his kids. They're all just sort of very close up action shots of them all in different poses on this zip line, but like not the time you want to be photographed. Right. <laughs> no one looks good on a zip line. No There's... one looks good on a zip line. <laughs> not to get too graphic about these photos. There's lots of maneuvering and bunching and like odd arm positioning and like you can't help it. Even, you know, Margot Robbie would look strange doing this. Right. Um, and like, Elon it, Musk is worth $15 billion. Robert Downey Jr. said he based his Iron Man character on him. He's like this larger than life movie tech like, guy. <laughs> I wrote on this thing, can you imagine confirming your hot new relationship by ziplining as if I was going like, to ask you that question? <laughs> right. I kinda, as if yeah. I'm like a copywriter for Us Weekly now. <laughs> but yeah, I cannot imagine confirming my hot new relationship by ziplining. But how did photographers find them, like, deep in wherever they were? Yeah, I don't know. And I guess it's also, to me, they sort of look like they know they're being photographed. So I feel like maybe they knew. But then the other thing I wanted to ask you was, I think this is like a trend. We should, maybe we should do a slideshow about this for the website, Julie. There's Miranda Kerr and Evan Spiegel, Snapchat CEO, and then supermodel. Amber Heard's obviously like gorgeous actress. Then there's Serena Williams and Alexis Ohanian, the Reddit guy. Emma Watson's also dating a tech guy now. So there seems to be this moment for like tech related boyfriends. Right. I mean, especially if they're worth $15 billion. Yeah, right. They're all worth... I mean, I guess there's like an appeal if you want to date someone who's not comfortable in doing their own thing and successful in their own right. So I guess I understand that. Do you know what's weird? This photo that Daily Mail printed of Amber Heard on the zip line, it looks like it's taken from someone who was on 
the little platform. So did she leak these photos? Right? These are all taken from like the same level. It's not like they're taken miles away. Yeah, I guess it's confusing. A lot of them are really close. I love this caption too. Having fun. Amber made a playful expression as she hooked herself onto a link. (laughs) I'm curious to know more about how these photos emerged. I would agree with you. But yeah, I'm curious to see, I don't know, a fun new relationship to keep track of. I wish we could go ziplining. I know. I wish we could go ziplining too. And have paparazzi take (laughs) grainy photos of us. I would be fine with that. If we were having that zipline adventure, it'd be worth it. Anyways, I think that does it for this week's episode. Now that we've gotten in depth on Amber Heard's whereabouts over the weekend. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, please remember to rate, review us on iTunes. It really helps to find new listeners. We really appreciate the feedback. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss any of these subjects. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Duboff. You can check us out on Instagram as well at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was co-produced by Jordan Bell and Alana Milner and edited by Afim Shapiro. Thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Until then, no bad energy. No bad energy.